the soundtrack Windsor, Windsor Ascot, Ascot Maidenhead, Maidenhead Bracknell, Bracknell Wokingham, Wokingham Henley, Henley Reading, Reading. Okay. Ta-da. The Voice River Radio of the Thames Valley Welcome everyone to this show, Let's Do Lunch with me, Jenny Tishi. I'm your host and this show is all about food and nutrition. I say food, I should really expand that to say drink as well because today we are joined by Vicky Weddle who is the founder of Money Row Beans. Now Vicky is an SCA certified judge at the UK Barista Championships and a UK distributor of Gorilla Conservation Coffee. Can you guess what she does yet? <laughs> Hi, Vicky. How are you? Hi, I'm very well. Thanks for having me here. Oh, do you know, it's quite a hot day today, isn't it? And it yet, is. coffee is still a great drink to be having on a hot day. It is. Hot, hot coffee. coffee, cold coffee, all coffee. Oh, yeah, cold coffee. I, I've seen a lot more people having cold or iced coffee. Yeah. Would you say that's a bit of a thing now? Is that much more of a popular way to enjoy? I think it is now, yeah. The iced coffees are becoming more popular now especially when the weather gets warmer Um, and they're quite easy to make as well so yes we seem to have a lot of it going on in our household (laughs) my 17 year old and her friends are very good at making an iced coffee so Mm. I've sort of like got on the bandwagon a little bit there so I I mean I love your coffee I discovered your coffee I'm trying to think where I think it was at Meter Market probably Meter Market in Cookham yes but you are quite well known in the area in terms of um, lots of other people I know in the food industry use and recommend recommend your coffee I've tasted it I've been to see you I've tasted it I've seen it being roasted and um, but I'd love to know from your perspective what it is that makes it different better because I believe it is but I'm sure you can put it into better words than me (laughs) well there's lots of great coffee out there um I like to think that mine is a good coffee Mm -hmm. um and I'm really pleased you're enjoying it um (laughs) I suppose the things that I think make it special or good or better um, is the quality of the coffee, uh, the care that's taken, um, even before it comes to me and then while I while it's in my care. Oh, well, that's a <laughs> lovely then, way of And also, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's speciality coffee, so it should be good quality, but also it's the freshness of the coffee, how freshly it's roasted, how it's looked after, after roasting, mm-hmm. and um, the water that goes into making the cup of coffee is also important, so it's all, everything in the chain, but... I also believe it's about the part, being part of the community and I think it, all the things around coffee make it more special. It could be a social occasion, a work occasion, as you say, a market, um, a learning experience. Mm. There's all these, well, in all the food, all the sides of food, it's uh, it, it comes across that when there's something special happening around a thing, it makes it seem more special. So Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. But I love the way you position that, which is that you feel like you're part of the, the chain of processes yeah. that bring people together, not just in the consumption of coffee, not just at the end of the chain, yeah. but really it's like your part is to take as much care as the person before you yeah. and the person after you in the chain. I yeah. think that's a wonderful way of thinking about production. I don't think many people in the world of food think like that yeah I don't know whether it's because it's beans maybe people who work with seeds and grains maybe they feel similarly I'm not sure but because you they're individual 
little things maybe maybe yeah. it, it happens because of that now I've a question to ask you have you always been a coffee drinker well I have always enjoyed coffee ever since I tried it mm-hmm. I'm trying to I was trying to remember when was the first time I had a cup of coffee and I'm guessing the first cup of coffee I ever had I was probably around 10 years old oh wow quite and young it was probably a cup of instant yeah coffee um made with a kettle at home or camping um and yeah, I don't think I particularly enjoyed it, but I thought I was being a bit grown up. <laughs> Probably added some milk and sugar to it. So it's very different to the kind of coffee I would drink today. But I guess that was the beginning of the journey. Yeah, and f- probably for the industry a little bit in terms of how things have grown here in the UK. I mean, if I think about my own childhood, coffee was always, you know, instant coffee. It was the mm. granulated. And there were some fantastic adverts. <laughs> I mean, those were the pinnacle the of saga. the advertising. Yes, <laughs> saga, exactly. Around instant coffee which seems unimaginable now but it existed didn't it and that's what people kind of engaged with and to your point I mean gosh it didn't taste good no and I think maybe that that's a point to mention something about instant coffee because I guess instant coffee is it could be good quality coffee um could be made very carefully but it's not as fresh as coffee that's been freshly ground freshly Mm. brewed I like to see it as the equivalent of a cup of soup versus a fresh soup. So yeah, that's a great analogy. <laughs> do, do you know the process of instant coffee? Like, how is it? A bit, yeah. I've never yeah. seen it you know, in in person, but um, from my from my knowledge and, and learning, yes, it's basically brewing a huge cup of coffee and then and then freeze drying it down. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's it's um, and then you rehydrate it. So it's a uh, yeah. It's um, it doesn't mean it's bad coffee. It's just. Oh, it was fresh and I, I think for many people it's it's been a very affordable convenient um way of getting a hot cup of brown coffee yeah <laughs> yeah well we were talking about that um even I think during the war I know there was gravy uh, granules yeah. were used to look like you, to make it look like you had tights when you didn't have tights yeah. um but I think coffee might have been used or at least a version of coffee you know they didn't have coffee yeah. available a version of coffee I mean it, you know that's where we're talking about a very different thing yeah. from the way we consume coffee today so what is your favorite way of enjoying coffee oh that's a tricky question because <laughs> I I like the variety of coffee so mm. I like enjoying it in different ways my favorite my favorite way to drink a cup of coffee would be from a really nice cup and mm-hmm. have something handmade um maybe by the sea it's all about that as well <laughs> yeah location um, but I like a simple filter brew coffee so just coffee and water that's it that's okay. what I like yeah. and like what about things like the variety of different milks and things mm-hmm. do you try your coffee with different types of milk so you know how it's going to yeah. work best with yes, different I do. things yeah, yeah so I'll, I'll roast coffees and I'll try them as espresso I'll try them as a latte mm. I'll try them with oat milk I'll try them with you know, non-dairy milks and there's so many of those around at the moment at the London Coffee Festival this year it was all about the plant-based milks pea protein that kind of thing and it does affect the the taste of your cup of coffee and it's uh yeah so it's important for me to try those things because a lot of more and more so now people are, are trying different milks so yeah. it's important for me to have an idea when people ask me which one of these is going to be better with oat milk or that I have a rough idea of how to guide them. It does make a huge difference, doesn't it? We had, um, do you know, it was funny. I was making my children laugh because I was actually given, on the streets of London, I was given by one of these advertising agencies that had people out, you know, a, a pint of um, pea milk, pea okay. protein milk. Yeah. And I brought it home and I was like, I stuck it in the fridge. I thought, I'm, of all people, I'm the one that's good. I've just bought this home from London. I'm going to use it. Yeah. And it just didn't get used. And I think if we'd have known, we could have used it maybe 
for coffee, yeah. it might have got could, used yeah. instead. Yeah. Uh, what, how did that taste uh, when you were doing your uh, judging this year? Was that was pea protein nice? Uh, pea protein milk nice? Well, with the judging um, in the competitions, non-dairy milks aren't really used in the barista championships in the standard rounds. Right. Um, however, they could be used in some of the signature beverages. So for the competition side of things, that's not always in there. But at the London Coffee Festival, everybody was tasting the um, the different milks. And wow. I, I find it really interesting. Some of the milks I find taste too much of the thing that's in the milk. Yeah, for me. and then you lose the coffee like taste. coconut milk. I love coconuts, but I don't mm. want it in my coffee. So yeah. it's, a, yeah. it's a personal choice, I guess. And what about the fat in milks? Obviously, we typically mm. associate milk with having three colours. So we associate it with a blue lid, whether maybe I'm going back in yeah. time here. But blue yeah. lid tends to mean, or blue packaging tends to mean full fat. Yeah. And then you have green, semi-skimmed. Yeah. And yeah. then you have your skimmed, which yeah. is your red. Yeah. Which one acts in what way with coffee? Well, I think when you're trying to make a coffee, say a hot coffee, like a Mm. latte or a cappuccino, the quality of that foam you get on the coffee, the texture of the milk is really important. Mm -hmm. And it's often considered that uh, full fat milk will give you whole milk, will give you more creaminess, uh, smoother texture. But Mm. that's not to say you can't uh, use the other milks at all. That's, again, down to personal preference. But, um, for example... um, uh, locally, uh, Lacey's, Lacey's Family Farm. Mm. I got, I've recently been trying some of their milk with my coffee. It's so creamy. It's amazing. And it really alters the, the texture of your coffee. I would go for full fat or whole milk if I were having milk with my coffee. And that's the way in which you think it comes out with the best the best uh, foam so. yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'd like to see now that's given me a bit of, because I always have black coffee, but mm. it's given me a bit of um, food for thought, drink for thought. Anyway, <laughs> um, so where did the inspiration come from to start roasting your own coffee? I have a theory that when you say you're not going to do something or never going to do something, that's what ends up happening. Yeah, I remember <laughs> you attract seeing, it. <laughs> yeah, I remember um, seeing coffee roasters and what they were doing and looking at them thinking, that looks really interesting, but I don't think I could ever do that. It's I'm never going to be a coffee roaster and somewhere that's so to seed yeah. in my head. Um, and yeah, the roasting happened sort of by accident. Um, I came into coffee from a training background, teaching background. Okay. Um, so more the events and the training, the people side of coffee. Um, and I did start roasting coffee in a small, on a small machine just to try and just to see the experience because I wanted to learn. Mm. Um, I discovered I quite liked it. Watching the beans go around, it's quite, you know, meditative and and (laughs) you see them, see them changing and the smell and you go into a sort of coffee trance and (laughs) it's quite nice. And, uh, yeah, so once I realized that it could be something that you could sort of take control of and do and enjoy in that way and use it as a, a way of discovering coffee rather than, well, you have to do it this way with this fancy machine and with this fancy software and there's only one way to do it. I realised that it was all about the discovery and that's the thing with coffee. There's so much to learn and if you approach it with a, well, I'm just learning here. If mm. it goes right, I, that's great. If it doesn't, well, I've learned something. Then, yeah, I think once I got over that, the roasting became something that I felt more comfortable with. <laughs> and it also sounds like there actually isn't a right in the sense that, you know, you know when you've reached absolute perfection because it's always going to be variables, lots of variables from, you know, I know when I came to see you, for example, you know, you're showing me the different beans, but the same sort of bean can come from the same sort of area and yet yeah. it could behave quite differently yeah. when you work with it. So, yeah. you you know, right whether there is an absolute right must be a very kind of um a questionable thing I don't yeah, know can it can it? be yeah. yeah and I think um just for trying roasting a new coffee that's fine you sample roast a small amount and see how it goes and see whether it might work well as a filter coffee or as a, an espresso um but 
one of the things that I've learned more about over the last year to two years is how to become more consistent with the roasting. So when you're supplying to a coffee shop, for example, it's important. It's not changing from week to week what their coffee tastes oh, gosh, like. Yeah. So uh, that's one of the things. So that's where the attention to detail comes in a bit more. And, and um, uh, you just try and use maybe some software or um, just different controls to make sure you're trying to get the same uh, same consistency in what you're producing. So when you, you're selling your coffee to coffee shops, you're basically advising them on how it's best to be used and, and served. So that's a kind of, would you say that's a cappuccino type uh, coffee or that's an espresso type coffee? Would you well, be that specific with it? It, it depends on the on the place that's serving the coffee. Mm. Um, there's been a few few more businesses now who would like to serve a simple cafetiere or pot of coffee oh, yeah. uh, rather than have the espresso machines and all singing, all dancing, espresso-based drinks. But mm. yeah, usually it would be a coffee that would be recommended for a place that was serving a lot of cappuccinos and lattes. If you know that coffee is going to go with milk, you need something that's going to punch through that milk and still have plenty of coffee flavour, not go wishy-washy and mm. just be lost. So oh, that's um, really interesting, isn't it? And then you, you say about the cafetiere coffee, like what's the difference in how you um, grind the coffee depending on whether it's going to be used in a cafetiere or whether mm. it's going to be used to make cappuccinos and espressos, yeah. etc.? So it's all about yeah how coarse or fine the coffee is ground. Uh, with, with a coffee bean, essentially, you're dissolving flavours out of it with water. Mm-hmm. So um, whether that coffee is going to be submerged in the water, like with a, a, a cafetiere, for example, or whether it's going to be pushed through with pressure um, on an espresso machine, it's going to affect how those flavours are extracted from the coffee. Okay. Um, so it's about the surface of the, each ground of coffee and how compact it is, how the water travels through. Yeah. Cool. So again, then that determines which kind of coffee is going to work with which method of being yeah, made. Yeah. yeah brilliant. Um, now, I know that you learnt some of what you know, in fact, a lot of what you know before you came back to the UK. Um, you learnt a lot of it in the Middle East. Yes, I did. Can you tell me a little bit about how that came about? Because that yeah. sounds like a fascinating <laughs> story <laughs> well I moved to Dubai with my husband's job in 2011 um, and at that time I was a TEFL teacher teaching English and was really enjoying it did mm-hmm. it part-time to fit around the kids and family life um, and we planned to go for two years um, went for two years and then it turned into three four five we ended up staying eight years and a couple of years in I started to think oh maybe I want to try something new um, and I did a barista skills course because I'd always thought it might be nice to have a coffee shop one day <laughs> just because just to learn something new and when I did that barista skills course I met some people who were involved in the speciality coffee scene in Dubai and they were looking for volunteers to get involved in their coffee events coffee competitions and I just went there and loved it I loved everything about it I loved the fact that it was a group of international people all focusing on something but it was very social but also lots of learning Mm. seeing competitors really you know dedicated to doing a good job lots of different coffee roasters coffee producers coffee people um I just really fell in love with the whole scene um and uh yeah just wanted to spend more time doing that really and so how long were you out there for sort of learning the ropes so to speak um I suppose for the last five years I was out there I was on the journey Mm. I did things like buy an espresso machine and make um, start doing a little pop-up coffee shop in the kids school got a part-time job in a in a coffee shop and um in the end I I ended up working for a really great coffee roaster out there called Raw Coffee Company Mm -hmm. who I I really learned so much from them about coffee um all about um coffee from origins and 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 
different ways to work with different people in the coffee industry um they're a very ethical company which i loved um their ethos was all about the training and learning and quality mm-hmm. and i yeah because i had a teaching background i ended up working in their training department helping them with teaching and training and they taught me about coffee and that was how i got into that side of things so. isn't it interesting <laughs> the way it works so then you came back to the uk were you when you left the middle east when you left dubai mm. did you have a vision of what you wanted to achieve back in the uk I had ideas about what was behind it, but I didn't know quite how it was going to evolve. Yeah. I just knew that I was going to do something to do with coffee. I wanted it to be local and in my community, but then I needed to suss out when I got back here how mm-hmm. that was going to be. So I tried some different things when I when I moved back here. Well, first of all, we didn't have anywhere to put all my coffee gear that I'd got. Oh, no. So where did it go? Into storage? <laughs> it went, no, it went into the little shed in the garden. Oh, the classic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shed so in the garden. that was when the coffee shed was born. Uh-huh. Um, and, and so, yeah, I had my espresso machine in there um, and played around with coffee, took my machine to places, uh, got involved in local networking, mm-hmm. met some amazing local businesswomen um, and just started finding out what was going on locally. Um, I spent some time at Cooper's in Marlow, the amazing roastery and coffee shop there. That's a great place. And um, yeah, just trying to find out what was happening locally and also joined the Speciality Coffee Association here, which I was part of in Dubai as well, uh, to get involved in the championships um, and to get involved in judging in this country, to get to know, because when I moved to Dubai, I wasn't part of the coffee scene in the UK. I didn't really know about it. And actually the UK is few years ahead of or was a few years ahead of uh, the scene uh, compared to Dubai so a lot, a lot I'd missed a lot I needed to catch up yeah you had to jump into <laughs> yeah. your feet and yeah. get on with it and how did the UK industry um, speciality coffee industry sort of differ from that in Dubai I mean you said it was advanced any other ways in which it differed yeah, I think there's some more, maybe some more established businesses here that, uh, that have been around for longer. Everything in Dubai was quite new and constantly changing, whereas here, um, I think London, obviously there have been a, quite a, a lot happening in London and the main cities. Um, maybe more regions here with things going on up in Scotland and um, and, and down in the West Coast. Mm-hmm. There are lots, lots of things happening here. Um, yeah, I just really, really feel like um, here um, things had just moved a bit further forward in terms of how many people were involved in it in different areas. Uh, there isn't like one centre, apart from maybe London, where it was going on. There's lots of people doing coffee things all over the country, which, um, yeah, it's good wow. to see. Yeah, sounds really interesting. So we're, we're going to take um, a little break here. And afterwards, I think we're going to taste some coffee, which is very exciting. Yes. Let's do that. Um, and just proof, as I say, that you can drink it in all weathers, because we are here in a very warm studio. And I'm going to thoroughly enjoy this. We'll be back in just a moment. Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This. This. Is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. Welcome back to this show, Let's Do Lunch. This is a show all about food and nutrition and also drink because today we've been joined by Vicky Weddle, who is the founder of Money Row Beans. And this is a roastery, um, very, very local to the studio. And this is the coffee that you can buy locally. You can drink in local coffee shops because that's where Vicky now distributes her coffee as also uh, as well as to the consumer. Um, we're actually going to taste some now, aren't we, Vicky? We are. I've brought with me some... Uh some freshly brewed coffee. Wow. Um, this is 
Kanyonyi uh, coffee from Uganda. We'll say that again. Kanyonyi. Kanyonyi. It's a very special coffee. Um, some of the listeners may be familiar with this one already. It's got a bit of a story behind it. It's Gorilla Conservation Coffee. Yes. Yeah. Now tell us a little bit about that, if you, if you don't mind, if you can multitask, if you can pour <laughs> coffee and tell us about Gorilla Conservation. I should Conservation. be able to. I hope I can. <laughs> now you're pouring this into a mug here that looks like it's been handmade. To your point about the mug that you drink it from, was it handmade? <laughs> yes, it was. This, this, It's not from Uganda, even okay. though the coffee is. Uh, this is a cup from Port. Portugal. Oh. I like when I go and visit a place. I like to buy coffee cups to bring back with me. And right. there we go. I'm just going to reach in. Enjoy. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Thank you very much. Right here we go. This is proper uh, live radio. Yeah. Oh wow. So now, this... is, is there a way to drink? Like, there's a way to taste <laughs> wine, right? Is there yes. a way that I should be tasting coffee? Just... There is a way that professionals taste the coffee. Um, it's called cupping. Okay. <laughs> so we all have rows of cups, all the same uh, amount of coffee and water in them, and after different times, you taste the coffee. Mm-hmm. And it's usually with a spoon, and there's a lot of slurping noises. That okay. Go <laughs> so are you ready for this, listeners? <laughs> we should probably have a slurp. <laughs> okay, let's Your slurp was definitely better than mine. I need to practice my slurp. <laughs> so, and then what are you looking for? I mean, this, like I say, to me, it tastes great. So what are you looking for as a judge of coffee? What, what flavour profiles or? Well, from a quality point of view and from a flavour and taste perspective, we're looking at some basic tastes. So sweetness, acidity, bitterness, uh, whether or not it's balanced. So is it, uh, has it got some nice acidity or is the is it it's going super sour and because mm-hmm. it's coffee's from a fruit it's it can sometimes have very fruity uh, flavor notes mm. um can we detect any flavor notes there's a something called a flavor wheel which we refer to which yes. um has loads of different flavors that you can use as a as a as a prompt to think oh, what is this is it is it a citrusy acidity or what kind of sweetness is it caramel mm-hmm. um so we're looking for flavors we're looking for um the balance of taste and we're also similarly as with wine, looking at the body, um, yeah. the texture, the mouthfeel of the coffee, whether it has a nice, pleasant aftertaste, whether mm. that lingers or whether it leaves you a sort of drying feeling at the back. Is that, you know, there's things that, and again, there are elements of that that are subjective. So yes. some people have preferences and that's absolutely fine. I'm a big mm. believer in people enjoying their coffee, how they like it. And, um, but from a quality perspective, professional um tasting point of view there are some standards and and groups would uh, taste coffee together we taste coffee together and uh, calibrate with each other to say okay uh, we would score a coffee in silence and then and then come together to discuss yeah yeah Mm. so that is that's really interesting actually obviously I do judging panels as well and I Mm. sometimes find you say it about being subjective we don't always come to you know even similar conclusions about things it's yeah. quite a tough thing to do isn't it it is um so if you were judging that i mean for me here we go this is going to show how <laughs> inept i am at this kind of thing so i can taste a fruitiness to this and that's right is it is that what you can taste am yeah i, I can i can i'm not yes. looking for praise here yeah, i might no, have got no. that completely wrong but yeah no 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 there's maybe a few berry notes in there for this mm, one yeah mm. um and uh yeah there's also some sweet caramel notes for yes. me as well maybe a bit fudgy yeah there is a bit of that and it's really clean like there's mm. nothing there's no kind of aftertaste mm. other than kind of almost like that sweetness again yeah. which this, is interesting this was it? brewed with a simple filter method mm. uh, just through a filter uh, a traditional filter mm. machine where it just the water drips through a filter um i like that method it often removes a lot of the fine coffee bits that are left in the coffee right whereas if you brew something in a cafetiere you'll often get the little uh, grainy bits at the bottom which can affect the texture of the coffee and also the longer they stay in the water the more um, the flavour's going to come out and sometimes the more bitter notes come out the longer coffee's That's sitting there. interesting. We have a cafetiere and this morning I, at the very last minute, had to do a school run because my son had a cricket match and my husband had poured it 
And of course, I knew it was going to be a bit bitter by the <laughs> yeah. time I got home. Yeah. And it was because yeah. there's little bits, there's yeah. quite a few little bits yeah. sort of at the bottom there. Yeah. yeah so we need to, we need to do better there. <laughs> this is very different. This is a very different experience. So. Lovely. Well, another slurp. This yeah, is another the, slurp. Not good slurp. Probably. And that's another thing to mention is that as coffee cools, it will possibly change in, in how its flavours. It's supposed to be quite a good test of a quality of a coffee is if it still tastes good when it's cooling mm-hmm. and when it's cold, then it's, it's generally could be considered a better coffee ah, okay now the slurping just out of interest <laughs> is that in order to get both sort of um some air and some mm. coffee in at the same time yes okay that's the good. idea being that um flavor from slurp. a flavor point of view 70 percent of what we perceive is from the aroma and 30 percent from the taste that you're experiencing <sighs> on your tongue and we have this uh, retro nasal system at the back of our noses and if we slurp and we get the air and aspirate the coffee that way mm-hmm. then we can experience more of those volatile compounds do you know that's a whole different experience if someone is this it, just a word of advice just get that little bit of this podcast and play it whilst you're drinking your morning coffee because it's so much better you can enjoy your coffee so much more that way i love it i love it so right so on with our questions uh welcome back everybody if you're just tuning in we are talking to vicky weddle and we're talking about coffee because vicky's the founder of money row beans and if you haven't tried her coffee as i just have it's gorgeous um now your business started as as many great businesses do we talked about this from the garden shed (laughs) um where are you now with the business i know it's definitely moved on from there it has moved on from there so um the garden shed was great Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um i started to outgrow that space um, quickly (laughs) so there was a, a there was an interim phase where i needed to roast more coffee and i wanted to roast more coffee um so actually a kind friend of mine who's a roaster in london he said i could go and roast coffee on his machine oh wow so you were um, going into so london that's what i did to wow. sort of you know say going along with the idea that oh well i can never be a coffee roaster and that whole worry about that i thought I'd better do this a bit more and see if i really want to do this yeah. so um <laughs> I'd drive with my mini to London, roast a load of beans, drive back with a car that smelled amazing and yeah. bag the coffee up that way. Um, and yeah, I really started to get more into it and decided I was going to go for it. Mm. And so, um, well, first of all, we looked at moving house, but then we decided that wasn't realistic. <laughs> <laughs> what, for the whole, for the Just business, for the coffee, basically. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, and in the end, we realised that the only thing that was needing more space in our lives was the coffee business. So I started to rent a space at mm. Moss End Garden Village in Warfield, just yeah. south of where I live. Um, and it's been great, actually. It's a it's a, a seven by five metre converted barn um mm-hmm. and i've installed a roasting machine which can roast i roast about four kilos of batch on there wow um i can st- store green beans before they're roasted i can I pack up the coffee i can people can come and taste the coffee and see what's happening mm-hmm. and it's nice to be there because um you're part of a community of other businesses there's people around it's um it's a nice place to be it's it's i do recommend that actually it's a nice experience to go and actually spend some time with you and your yeah. knowledge is incredible but uh, also it added to that is actually the the knowledge combined with being able to see the process and watching yeah. things you know that the beans go around the <laughs> certain say it's lovely to watch um so you also started this business during a global pandemic yeah <laughs> looking back do you think that was um, harmful beneficial neither to your business I think it meant I had to change my course a little bit. It Mm. wasn't what I was expecting. So, um, but it it just meant that I changed what I was doing. So I'd I'd literally, when lockdown was announced, Mm. I'd literally just gone and filled my car with beans. And I was just about to start going around to businesses with samples of beans, hospitality businesses and say, hey, try my beans. But they all had to close. So I was like, okay, I've got a lot of beans. Um, But um, I think overall it's been beneficial because... Mm. 
what I wanted for my business was to be a local coffee supplier, local coffee for local people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and everybody was being so supportive locally. Mm. Um, it was, it was, you know, the, the local support has been huge. And um, yeah, I think it actually really benefited my business. Gave me a chance to reach out to people, um, drop coffee off at their houses. It was a, a legitimate reason to, yeah. to leave the house was to deliver coffee to people. Key worker. Yeah. <laughs> Essential, <laughs> essential trips. Uh, do you know what though? It did feel like that. Yeah. I don't think I have ever had such routine around coffee making as I did yeah. when the pandemic first, One of the things, when lockdown yeah. first came to be. Yeah. To punctuate the day. It absolutely yeah. did. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's probably the reason some people started drinking more wine as well, because yes. it was about punctuating <laughs> the day, but coffee certainly. And also, I do think there has been a move, and I'd like to think there's going to be some form of legacy from that, but to buy more local, to yeah. be more connected to the producer yeah. um, that you're bu- buying your produce from is is definitely something I've noticed. Would I've, you say that? That's yeah, something? I would agree with that, because um, uh, not just coffee shops, but also offices and businesses locally mm. have reached out, few have reached out to me and said, look, we've made a move to... Um, try and source all of the things we use more locally um, yeah. and so offices and businesses are using using local coffee too my coffee which is which Brilliant. is great so yeah. oh that's wonderful and I know also you've benefited from partnering with other local businesses Absolutely. I love the connections that you guys have formed <laughs> I mean I've had other people like Heather from Agosti Gelato on here but yeah. what other, other businesses have you partnered with um I know that helps you you know obviously you know reach more people more coffee lovers which mm. is amazing through coffee shops but also you're working with other producers can you yeah. share some of the partnerships that you formed in well, really yeah. quite a short period of time yes it's been uh, it's been amazing I've met some amazing amazing local uh, business people entrepreneurs and people with huge talent and um yeah so you mentioned heather from agosti gelato uh heather has been yeah amazing at um yeah she's used my coffee in some of her amazing gelato and uh so heather and also uh grape and nectar um and chocolates by jackie uh various uh, combinations and packages that we've uh, put together for people who you know because people who like their food and drink often are interested in trying different things so to collaborate with the other local producers it gives us a chance to reach people who are into tasting things and trying things and good quality and yeah um so that's been great and the local markets have been like meat to market have been fabulous for for um for helping meet other producers Mm -hmm. uh, that i can work with and some of the local businesses as well hospitality businesses like the pubs in my village the jolly gardener um they were the first uh, sort of outlet that served my coffee uh they had a they have a lovely coffee morning on a on a on a thursday morning and we started that during when you were allowed to to go out and get a takeaway coffee we served yeah. takeaway coffees from there and it became a community thing people go and do do that it would punctuate their week and yeah. it's still going now and uh, yeah so it's, it's lovely a, that isn't it mm. and I do I do love that when I go into an establishment and I recognize a brand that mm. is local and mm. you know it, it feels nice to be able to say oh that money road money road beans yes I know them yeah <laughs> not what you know who you know um now I've been very lucky to experience one, one of your coffee experiences which is where we actually go to the roastery now I came in um it was January wasn't it I had an intern working with me who absolutely yes. loved it as well um can you share a little bit more about what people can expect in terms of that experience um because I'm sure I mean that makes a great gift to someone that you're trying to find a gift for a coffee lover or even slightly you know an unusual gift or a very yeah. local gift yeah. um could you explain a little bit more about what people get to experience when yeah. they come and spend time with you yeah so it's it's called a coffee discovery experience um and the 
idea is that it should be a fun and interactive experience for people who enjoy coffee but just want to know a little bit more. Mm. Um, it's a chance to see what happens to the coffee beans, to taste different coffees, ask questions that you might feel, you know, there's no silly questions. You know, people, I think sometimes speciality coffee can be a little bit intimidating. I've experienced it myself when I first started out. You go into some environments and there's some really... You know, highly skilled people in coffee who know their stuff and sometimes there's a feeling that oh I might not ask the right question or, mm. or you know and I really don't I really want coffee to be accessible to people and people to feel like they can enjoy it however they want yeah um so yeah the idea is to see um how the roasting process works try making coffee on an espresso machine brewing the coffee um we talk a little bit about where the coffee comes from and what what happens to the beans before they come to me um you know about decaf coffee and the coffee plant that the coffee mm. comes from um yeah and then and then uh, we roast some coffee together and then people can take a bag of that coffee home which i think is a really nice satisfying experience yeah. to to be part of that and then to, to to drink coffee that you've been part of roasting is, is a nice thing oh my <laughs> gosh yeah and it does a bit like the whole tasting experience yeah. it's like when you know when you have knowledge everything mm. you connect with it more and mm. it therefore tastes a lot better yeah you know that that connection helps that and the other thing that I wanted to point out, I hadn't realised, and again, you know, you did say there's no such thing as a silly question or no such thing as a silly point, but I hadn't realised the difference between Arabica and Robusta, mm. which is to do with the height at which it grows, isn't it? Now, I found that fascinating. I don't know why, but I did. Can you explain that? Because I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, well, um, so as, as you know, coffee is a plant. Mm. Um, there are many different varietals of coffee plant hundreds and hundreds of them there's so many different ones um some of which grow naturally uh, sorry start growing naturally a wild yeah. coffee like oh, in wow. ethiopia for example a lot of wild coffees growing there and some of them are, are deliberately purposely planted hybrids and and, and that kind of thing yeah uh, robusta and uh, arabica are two the two main commercially grown coffee plants mm-hmm. um they're different um and they grow at different altitudes um so robusta grows at a lower altitude it's higher in caffeine which is a natural pesticide so it's easy to grow a lot of it uh without it being damaged by insects arabica grows above a thousand meters above sea level um because it's higher up the the fruit will uh, develop more slowly mature right. more slowly the coffee cherries mm-hmm. um and that helps to develop more complex flavors in the coffee so right so speciality coffee quite typically would be yes arabica not robusta up until recently speciality coffee has all been arabica mm-hmm. um and even in the sort of commercial branded um supermarket coffees that you would see they'd be stating this is arabica mm-hmm. um and that's seen as a higher quality coffee but not all arabica is speciality quality but mm. um but more recently um partly because of uh the way that farming communities are starting to adapt in preparation for the impact of climate change. Yeah. Uh, people are constantly looking for new new ways to grow um, coffee more sustainably mm-hmm. and also to investigate the, the, the coffees that are growing well. And Robusta is something that's being um, studied more from a point of quality and they're called fine Robustas. They're being tasted and, and, and trialled to, uh, yeah, to develop, um, develop those more. So. Interesting. I did wonder whether climate change may yeah. point us in the right, yeah. no, not the right, in the direction of alternatives or you know things that can be grown at mm. a lower um, yeah. altitude. Interesting. Um, so it's clear that you know your stuff, and I know that you are a judge, um, <laughs> you're a certified judge on the Speciality <laughs> Coffee Association Awards, but also um, for the National Barista Championships. How did that come about? I know you said you wanted to get involved when you came back from Dubai, yeah. but it, was that I'm going to do this directly, or how, how did that come about? 
Well, the Speciality Coffee Association is a great um, organisation for coffee learning and uh, for the coffee community around the world. It uh, does a lot of great work um, to um, encourage people to have a career in coffee. So uh, baristas, um, anybody involved in the coffee industry, um, it's a way of, there, there are certificates that you can do, which we be offering too with uh, with help of uh, um, Rogero, my friend um, from Coopers. He's he we're working together on some training. Oh wow! Um, yeah, so um, I would say that the um, the co- the Speciality Coffee Association is a really supportive body which encourages people to to progress in coffee. Um, some people may have heard of uh, the famous uh, coffee guru James Hoffman. He was a, yes. a, a he was a UK barista champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be a great springboard for um, for coffee people to progress and yeah. and find their way in the mm-hmm. way that you might have a celebrity chef you could have a celebrity coffee person yeah like that. absolutely so, um but the reason I wanted to get involved in it was to be part of a coffee community like I'd experienced in Dubai I wanted to feel part of a community and at the, you know up until recently I've just been working on my own mm-hmm. and it's a way of me keeping my um level of learning up there there's lots of training available lots of events even through lockdown there were lots of online uh, learning events um, it's a way of me keeping my standards high and up there um, mm. rather than just getting stuck in my day-to-day. Um, and I get to meet people and, and learn from them. Um, and I thought that the judging would be a good a good challenge for me. And it's yeah. been great. I've learned so much, met some amazing coffee people. Um, and so you go and you have a you do a two-day um, uh, it's a training and certification where you learn and you're assessed and sensory and technical uh, so you're learning mm. how to judge. Yeah. 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 So Love it's that. learning the rules and testing your own skills and capabilities mm-hmm. and yeah and I, I like learning and it's a it's a way of, way of doing that and it's a way of giving a little bit back um to the yeah. community as well and I, I bet that feeds back after you spent those two days doing that after yeah. you spent your time judging it but it feeds right back into your business as it well does. in terms of the way in which you tweak things it adjust does. things yeah it really does yeah, yeah interesting yeah. that and then also I, I meant to ask you about that whole judging process because I've got to find this out how do you feel after a day I mean you know I <laughs> Do you swallow it all? <laughs> <laughs> it, it it depends. There are different roles in the judging. So there's a team of judges. Mm-hmm. And depending on your role, that will determine how much coffee you actually drink in a day. Okay, okay. I'm a bit worried about the caffeine intake. Yeah, you it's know. a lot. It's a lot. So... Um, there's a there are technical judges mm-hmm. um, who do not have any tasting uh, duties for the competition, so they're watching, assessing technical skills, workflow, um, uh, how much coffee is wasted, whether or not things are done accurately, um, wow. uh, whether or not a barista will be using the tools very well, and and, and that kind of thing. Technical technical judging. Um, and there's no pressure to drink loads of caffeine, although by the end of the day, you really want to because you see all these amazing coffees coming out. And then the, sen- the just sensory judges, <laughs> so they'll have a, a panel of sensory judges mm-hmm. and there are strict rules on how many sips they must take. And yeah. you know, so they actually drink quite a lot of coffee. The most coffee I've experienced judging was when I was judging the Brewers' Cup, which is the brewing coffee brewing championships. So they have uh, one round which is on the stage and served to um, judges, sensory mm-hmm. judges, but they have another compulsory round where they give a coffee that they've never seen before they don't know what it is and they have to brew um three cups of this coffee mm-hmm. they get a bit of practice time and then they have to brew it and there's a group of judges who sit behind the stage or in a room off somewhere who every few minutes just get brought another set of cups <gasps> and you how have many to, uh, i think we had uh, 13 or 15 competitors that day oh and so goodness. you'll you'll try and assess um objectively and yeah it's 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 quite a challenge and that that was yeah that was quite a an intense experience yeah, but uh, I can imagine yeah also because once you've had one two 
three, four, you yeah. might start to forget what one was like. Yeah. You and, know? In, and in yeah, and in in an answer to your question, yes, we spit a lot of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, I can just imagine you wouldn't sleep at night yeah. otherwise. Would and you? we work together quite closely to make sure we're calibrated with each other. So there's a silent part where we we taste without affecting and. So we don't influence what each other's thinking. Yeah. And then we discuss and compare and try each other's and make sure we're all aligned so it's fair for everybody. Yeah. So yeah. I know, interesting. Fascinating. <laughs> well, we're going to take a brief pause here. Um, when we come back, and we're going to still be talking to Vicky, but we're going to be asking a little bit about the origin and the traceability of the Ooh. origin of your of your coffee bean. So bear with us. Windsor, Windsor. Ascot, Ascot, Maidenhead, Maidenhead. Bracknell, Bracknell. Wokingham, Wokingham. Henley. Henley, Reading. Reading. Okay. Ta-da. The Voice River Radio of the Thames Valley. Welcome back, everyone. So let's do lunch, a show all about food, drink and nutrition. And today we're joined by Vicky, who is the founder of Money Row Beans. And she is an expert in specialty coffee and roasts her own coffee, which is delicious. And we've tasted some here today. Now, the origins of the coffee that you use, it's really important, isn't it? It's important to you. It's important to others as well. And I know when I visited um, you, your roastery, it was really clear that the traceability that where that coffee comes from is incredibly important now can you tell the listeners a little bit more about your reasons for that yeah it's something that um once you know it it's hard to not think about because Mm. um when you've seen how a coffee is grown how it's produced and the people who've worked on that coffee um it becomes really important you see the communities where the coffee is grown and um there's been an excellent um focus more recently on um, traceability of coffee and also transparency of what's uh, what's happening in terms of uh, particularly with pricing issues that are going mm-hmm. on you know are people being paid a fa- fair paid a fair price mm-hmm. at every step of the way so um, to make coffee um, a viable and sustainable option for the future for for communities and also so we can keep enjoying the coffee it's really important that everybody involved in that process understands their their, their responsibilities in my opinion yeah, yeah so mm. you mentioned earlier on that you know some coffee does grow wild but I mean the vast majority of what we're getting we're getting from farms coffee farms is that what they're called it's yeah I mean co- coffee plantations coffee plantations, farms yeah. but a lot of coffee uh, especially uh, speciality coffee uh, a lot of it does grow um, in semi-shaded areas in amongst forests oh, wow. um, okay. in the tropical belt around the world um, yes there are large uh, large farms that are rows of coffee plants mm-hmm. and and yeah big big farms and plantations um uh, they're also important uh, and also but yeah the, there are there are still there's still a lot of wild coffee um or coffee that is just grown and, and cultivated in amongst other um other plants but it's still got to be harvested by someone and it's those people that are yes. harvesting that we've got to kind of look out for yes what, what has been happening what's traditionally happened to people who haven't been treated very well is it possible to share like you know why it's important that we do yeah. I mean, look for those that are being treated well yeah i think it's 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 the simple thing of you know somebody spending um long tiring hours um harvesting and working physical work um it possibly for example harvesting coffee beans or coffee cherries mm. um and then they'll take their coffees to somewhere mm-hmm. to be bought by somebody and if the price they're getting for that coffee is not enough for them to feed their families then that's a problem mm. um, um not on the one hand it could be because um yeah, it just leads to a, a low a low quality of, of a low standard of living mm. um but also uh, from the point of view of um communities needing to turn to um, other alternative sources of income. So, for example, um, to use the example of Gorilla Conservation Coffee, um, 
the forested area where where the coffee grows um it's important for the environment there that it's taken care of and if if people are <laughs> turning to deforestation and using the forest for other things it's going to affect the, affect the habitat of animals around yeah. um and also um yeah poaching and that kind of mm. thing can go on so yeah it's it's uh and also from i know a lot of that was one of the things that i i saw in the company i first worked for in in dubai um they visited every origin and met the farmers met the local communities and saw what was going on and st- to see how they could work together with them to help them achieve the best quality coffee uh, which is obviously great for business and consumer level but also um, to invest back in that community where necessary where possible for example in 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 decent equipment or in schools and community centers that kind of thing to try and make sure um, that everybody's taken care of and that it's not just wonderful and I know people do complain at the price of a cup of coffee sometimes you know you go to a coffee shop and think really that Mm. much for a cup of coffee but actually, it's when quite, you think about yeah. the fact that that is a luxury item for yeah. you, the yeah. end user, yeah. you know, you don't have to. I mean, some people might say they have to have it, but you don't have to have it. Mm. But it is a luxury item for you. Mm. And you're, you know, balking at the cost of a, you know, maybe a pound difference or something mm. that's making a huge mm. difference to somebody else's life, the person at the very beginning yeah. of the process. And the people who are working to, to maybe pur- purchasing or importing that coffee or selling that coffee on, uh, trading that coffee, um, in order that they can do a good job, mm. um, you know, it's, it's it's important that there's a t- traceability, a transparency there. Mm. Interesting. So um, the process uh, of you mentioned cherries, mm. so it's coffee cherries that you pick. So tell me a little bit about the process that coffee goes through from the point at which the well, let's go from the cherries, it's the cherries to the beans, and they get the green beans, which again was a surprise to me. I don't know why. Have any ever seen coffee beans that have been yeah. roasted? Which yeah. is yeah. Um, through to actually being made into the coffee that we're sitting here drinking today. Mm. Yeah, so coffee cherries, uh, yep, grow on coffee plants or coffee trees or coffee bushes, um, and they're harvested. They look like red little red fruits, mm-hmm. and inside each one, there's usually two little coffee beans facing each other. Oh, uh, I know. Cute. <laughs> Sometimes you get just one, and it's called a peaberry. It's a little round oh, one. Yeah. Does it do anything different? Taste any different? Well, you do get peaberry coffees that are. Um, you might get some different flavour from them. Yes, mm. and some some um, some people do separate out those peaberries, and they can be a bit more expensive because of the work to pick. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that, and yeah. they're bigger, I'd imagine, yeah. as well. So uh, sometimes smaller. No, sometimes, sometimes yeah, smaller. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, yeah, the processing that happens at origin in the country where the coffee is produced is about what happens after that cherry is harvested to make to make it just a simple bean that's then transported in a sack somewhere else. So it's right. about how long that fruity bit stays on the bean, mm-hmm. and when the fruity bit's still on the bean, is it being dried in the sun? Is it going to? Is it fermented in water? Is it? Is it fermented in some other way? Um, and at every stage of the process, there's people checking and removing any defects. Um, so yeah, there's quite a lot of work at that stage, and then the outer part of the fruit uh, is removed, okay, um, to leave just the coffee bean. And then the idea is that there should be a certain amount of moisture still left in that coffee bean. So it's not um, completely no, sort of not completely, desiccated no. by the time. And yeah. there's a little embryo in there. Oh. <laughs> um, and then those those beans are stored in special coffee sacks, which um, it's normal now to have a, a layer called a Grain Pro bag, which is a sort of plasticky looking bag, which mm-hmm. is inside the Hessian sack mm-hmm. or dupe sack um, to maintain that uh, moisture level and also to stop any pests getting inside why do they not go moldy um if they've got moisture still within them is well the moisture sort of inside the bean and that's okay right okay. you just want don't want extra moisture coming in from outside okay so, which yeah. is why you yeah. have the double layering yeah. Yeah. yeah gotcha and then the you ultimately you get your 
green beans yeah. delivered to you. Yeah. And then what happens? Uh, then I weigh them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I check them just every stage of the process just to make sure, pick out any 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 um, any ones that don't don't pass the test. <laughs> there's usually not many. By the time they come to me, there's been so many people checking them that it's very yeah. rare to find. Um, and then uh, weigh the beans, and then I roast them in my machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, and then I... They, and that, they... that process is quite specific as well, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? I know when I came to visit you, I was really intrigued. You had some software that we, yeah. you were using to yeah. monitor the best roasting time by bean are you still using that i'm still using it yes yes i use it in quite a basic way so basically i use it to record my roasts Mm. and to keep track to try and compare with a previous roast it's about that consistency so Mm. um so yeah so i I will i will look at how i roasted that coffee previously and use that as a guide yeah um and then roast the coffee and record what happens at different times brilliant (laughs) and today i mean obviously coffee is such a huge part of our lives and, and a massive industry and there's lots of different fads that come and go but which ones do you think will stand the test of time Mm, that's a really good question (laughs) really good question there's a I think I think the jury is currently out on whether or not pods will stay because pods as you know yeah not very good for the environment Mm. but I just can't see how that is going to stay I just can't see how it will but you know there are some more sustainable ways of having pods so compostable pods reusable pods um but really um I'm not sure whether that's going to stay I think Mm. there's going to be um I think the, the trend of having a takeaway coffee is here for a long while yet. People, yeah. You see everybody walking around with a coffee in their hand, whether it's in their own cup or one from a shop. They, they are, I think that's going to stick around. It's like a prop for people. They've got their <laughs> cup of coffee there. <laughs> so true. Coffee in one hand, water in the other, and that's, they're set for the day. Um, so I think takeaway coffee will stay. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, but I think obviously lockdown, people spent a lot of time at home. I think the trend of people making nicer more enjoyable coffee mm. at home I think that will stay yeah that will yeah. stay I think yeah. that's that's definitely been mm. a, a lockdown legacy for us yeah. the, the paper and the and the coffee yeah. each morning is lovely um and what would you recommend or what do you think is the best way for people to enjoy your coffee hmm well it depends how you like it <laughs> but um you don't really need any fancy equipment to do it um mm. it's great if you have your own coffee grinder because the the f- more freshly ground your coffee is, the more flavour you're going to get, the more intensity of flavour. So if you have got the opportunity to grind coffee fresh at home, I would say do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be an expensive coffee grinder um, for filter or for cafetiere. Um, yeah, filter cafetiere is so simple to do at home yeah. and you can get some great flavours, great results. So, Ooh. yeah. So maybe just start doing that instead. <laughs> um, and then where can people buy your coffee? Well, I have a website, moneyrobeans.com, and I do free local deliveries. Uh, but also, uh, you can uh, have a cup of my coffee uh, at Perea in Cookham, uh, Jolly Gardener in the Belgian Arms in Hollyport. Uh, Frank's Coffee Truck serves my coffee. Uh, but if people want a bag of coffee for home, they can pick up a bag at one of the markets I'm at. So uh, the Meter Market in Cookham Dean, uh, and then the Farmer's Markets at Maidenhead, Ascot, Windsor, and Beaconsfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are also some shops that are serving, um, selling bags of my coffee there's uh, the amazing filling good in maidenhead oh uh, yes. packaging free they they sell uh, my coffee and oh, you can grind your own coffee there um oh. you can buy the beans or grind them there and then um also there's um there's a new uh, a new uh, craft ale place opening up in maidenhead uh, this weekend called a hoppy place you may know mm. be familiar with the one in windsor and um, they're, they're going to be serving pots of uh, cafeteria pots of my
my coffee. Oh, so I'm actually going there to deliver some this afternoon. Oh, so. are you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Doing a round trip. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> and if people want more information about the experiences, about events, about distributors, um, where can they find it? Do you have a newsletter or something like that? Yeah, they could, uh, via the website, you can mm-hmm. subscribe to my newsletter. Great. Uh, but I'd say probably Instagram is that I put a lot of stuff on Instagram. Um, Instagram and Facebook, I usually share on there what's what's happening. Um, uh, yeah, Instagram's probably the best place to, to find me. <laughs> and what's your social media handle on Instagram? So at Money, at Money Row Beans. Great, nice and easy. <laughs> and at Money Row B on Twitter. Cool. <laughs> okay. And then if you, oh, do you have any other questions before we move on to the quickfire questions? No, no, no? questions. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, now, what would be your death row meal, we call it, your last meal on <laughs> earth? <laughs> Sushi. Yay! <laughs> I, I love sushi. I nice do. and light. Yes. Not, I'm not going to yeah. go into any detail. My only worry is that I would eat it too quickly and then it would all be over too soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'd have to really try and make yeah. every mouthful. Something a bit more chewy. Chewy sushi. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not sounding as appealing. No. <laughs> and who would you say has been your biggest inspiration? I'd say in a coffee sense. Mm-hmm. I've been inspired by some really amazing women who work in coffee. Yeah. Um, the boss of Raw Coffee Company, Kim, Kim Thompson. She mm-hmm. is somebody who I find myself going to in my mind uh, and doing things uh, because of what I've learned from her. Wow. Um, but I'd also say Dr. Dr. Gladys Kalimazikasoka, the founder of Gorilla Conservation Coffee, the work she has done and how it, it's part of uh, the bigger world it really is something that shows how it connected we all are and that's something I believe in how long has Gorilla Conservation Coffee been going just out of interest uh, you it's know. been going a few years now yeah. I've, I've been involved in it for two years right uh, but I think it's been going a lot longer than that maybe five years yeah mm-hmm. and she set it up because the yeah. concerns over the um, habitat yeah yeah she yeah. was a wildlife vet and uh, ah, yeah interesting and if you were to hold a fantasy dinner party which <laughs> three people from the past or present would you invite and why <laughs> I would invite my mum, uh-huh. <laughs> the Queen. Yes. <laughs> and I think I'd invite my daughter. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So powerful women. Yeah. <laughs> I like the idea of um, people who've uh, lived different lives meeting mm. each other and yeah. also my daughter because young people learning from previous people's lives. I really believe in that. And actually it is what happens in many cultures all mm. around the world, doesn't mm. it? It just yeah. doesn't seem to happen so often in our own culture. Uh, Vicky, it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you today. I have learned even more. Um, your passion for coffee is evident. It's in bucket loads. I'm, I'm really obsessed. pleased. Well, no, but you know, I love that because I love people that are passionate about what they do. And I think we're best placed uh, as mere mortals to learn <laughs> from people like yourself, you know, who do absolutely love everything about coffee and I love coffee um but I love learning more you know from someone that really knows their stuff I've learned so much so thank you very much for this and if anybody wants to find out more do go and check out moneyrowbeans.com and go and check out uh, Vicky's Instagram page at moneyrowbeans and Twitter um, feed as well it's really important that you know some of the stuff that Vicky's doing is really about looking after our environment but also allowing us to enjoy our favourite favourite 
drink. I was going to say tipple, but it's not tipple, <laughs> is it? Our favourite drink, um, but in a, an ethically minded and sustainable way. Um, but the point is, it just tastes amazing. And that's because of the care and attention that goes into the way in which the coffee has been produced. And I love the fact that you made the point about it's whilst it's in your care. That's going to sit with me for a long time. Um, I'm Jenny Tishy. This is Let's Do Lunch. If you have loved our show, please do leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast, leave us a review and it'd be very welcome. We'll be back next week with another show for you all about food, drink and nutrition. I'm now entering drink into the fold and I should. Uh, thank you, Vicky, for your time today and I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Thank you.
Windsor, Windsor. Ascot. Ascot, Maidenhead, Maidenhead. 